Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Today we have episode 299, and for all you math majors, that's one episode short of 300. Uh, I'm Gary. I got my partners in crime, Byron Jabara and Joe Thomas here with me today, and we are going to talk about your jiu-jitsu coach. How are you guys doing today? Man, I'm doing good. It's springtime down here in the Gulf South. Weather's been beautiful, so I'm doing good. How about you, Gary? I'm doing fabulous. What about you, Byron? Doing good. Excited today uh, for this episode talking about uh, jiu-jitsu coaches, I guess. It's, it's hard to talk about your particular coach because, you know, we might know we you, don't know. we might not know you, but we're talking about coaches in general, what to expect out of your coach and, and that, the relationship you have between uh, coach and student or athlete. A lot of different things that could, could happen here. We'll see where we go. we got a little bit of outline typed up and we're going to work from, but it's going to, it's a topic episode because it's the last episode of the month. So basically we're all going to be interviewing ourselves, right? That's right. We are the uh, so-called experts this episode. (laughs) Well, I think you guys are in trouble if we're the experts, (laughs) but uh, stay tuned for this award-winning podcast. That was last week was the award-winning podcast. This is just a regular podcast. (laughs) I guess the whole thing is award-winning, isn't it? We did win that uh, uh, high-ranking anyway. Yeah, we're second in the world. It's not the only thing about this podcast that's high-ranking. What else is high-ranking, Byron? Our audiobook for your first year of BJJ. If you find yourself in the spot where you're new to jiu-jitsu, or maybe you found the podcast because you're thinking about doing jiu-jitsu and you just haven't quite uh, made it happen yet, the audiobook your first year of jiu-jitsu is tailor-made to help you out. It's, it's really anybody who's almost started to somebody that's you know six months in and still has some questions because we all need a little bit of guidance in that first year. Yeah, the audiobook is about two and a half hours long. It's me, Byron, just talking to you and I and I walk you through six chapters of of your first year. And I really have enjoyed this as an outlet to help people get a good start to you. So I wish I had something like this when I was brand new and I know Gary does as well. <laughs> uh, but you know, jujitsu is tough. It's it's not an easy thing to start. It, you're going to have it, even if you're like excited about it. You know, your first couple weeks in are really fun, exciting, and man, this is really crazy how good people could get at jujitsu. That that'll fade, and you'll hit that that three month or six month uh, span where it's just hard. And uh, and that the the book is really designed to get you on the mat, get you comfortable. And make it to where you can stick with it for the first year, because really that first year is a, is a big one. And if you can get through that with a smile on your face, you're going to stick on the mats. You're going to continue to have success through jujitsu. So check it out. The book is eleven ninety nine. There's a link to the download in your uh, show notes there, or you can go to the website bjbrick.com and it pops right up. Byron, you were saying I wished I had a podcast like th- or an audio book like that when I first started, but. Were there audiobooks back then? We've been training so long. Uh, well, I'm I don't sorry. Even know a podcast uh, uh, books on tape. I wish you wish it was a book on tape back then. Okay, Betamax. <laughs> I think that would have worked better. Joe had a more successful start to his his jiu-jitsu 
But uh, Gary and I were just flumbling all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about all that, guys. But I appreciate appreciate that you're showing me some respect. And speaking of respect, our quote of the week is by Dave Willis. And it says, show respect even to people who don't deserve it. Not as a reflection of of their character, but as a reflection of yours. And this is a, a great life lesson. But, man, it applies to jujitsu as well. I mean, uh, I think it's important you go on the mat and you just approach everyone with respect. If somebody isn't deserving of it, they'll prove it later. But you can't take the uh, attitude that uh, somebody has to earn my respect. I, I go on the jujitsu mat and I see people on there. If I, like, I go visit a gym. Everybody on there, I know they put in some blood, sweat, and tears just like I have. And... You know, I, I respect everybody on the mat. It makes for better relationships. Um, so great quote by Dave Willis. Uh, Byron, tell me what you think about that quote. It's a good no, one. I'm, I'm hijacking it right here. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say this like for the seventh week in a row, but Joe, you won the interwebs or the podcast. Uh, I love what you said. Uh, you know, I don't expect people to earn my respect i go in and show people respect and and you know i think there's the quote right there and uh you know the you know the old uh, saying you know these people have to earn my respect i i just love what you're saying you know hey let's uh, be open-minded to everybody like you said anybody who's out there on the mat you know has put their blood sweat and tears into it let's uh benefit of the doubt to everybody let's show everybody respect and uh, and normally if you go in with that attitude everybody's going to show you respect back. I mean, there's always going to be a bad apple or two, Byron, you know, for an example. (laughs) But the majority of the people are are going to be great people. And, uh, you know, as to show your character, just respect everybody and uh, stuff will fall into place. Gary, I don't know what the prize is for winning the Internet, but I'm looking forward to when they start rolling in. Yeah, it's it's digital. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it only comes once a month, Joe. It's uh, you should be getting. Uh, uh, I think this month is blueberry jelly, and next <laughs> month is elderberry. So you should be getting that shortly. It says from your cousin Eddie. Should be sending Man, it to you. the gift that keeps on giving. You got it. Yeah, you, you used to pay it in Bitcoin, but they stopped doing that uh, a while ago. But man, you should have been with the internet a couple years ago, Joe. You'd no, be rich. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Day later, dollar short. But yeah, that's a. I don't really like the quote. My uh, my wife stumbled upon it and said, "You should put this on your show." And if she says that, I basically do that. <laughs> she has a good filter, so uh, I'll read it one more time. It show respect even to people who don't deserve it, not as a, not as a reflection of their character, but as a reflection of yours. And that's just a great way to how you hold yourself is, is be respectful to people. And you know, I'm just I just think of. I literally don't know what people are going through, especially strangers, if they're having a hard time or if they're kind of rude. Like give it, like Gary said, give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think it makes your life easier as well as other people's life better. So um, show respect to people. It's, it's a pretty simple concept. And uh, I think Dave Willis hit, hit the uh, nail on the head instead of on the thumb. Yeah, Byron, I can say I've known you for a long time. And, and you are probably the epitome of this this like your wife said um you know you always are nice to people you always are you're always the first person to introduce yourself you're always the first person uh you know if somebody says something derogatory about that person you know you always change it around you know you're a very good 
teacher of, of life skills and, and stuff like that. Like I, I think at times, and I've said something negative about somebody and, and you've kind of, you know, Hey, you know, try to change that around. So, uh, um, you know, I, I wish I could be like that all the time, but if I'm not, you always get me back on track and Joe, you already showed your character talking about it. You know, I don't know why I hang out with good people like you. Well, I guess I don't know why, you guys let me hang out with you, but uh, thank you. You guys are teaching me some lessons. <laughs> Gary, because of you, I'm a better man. <laughs> uh, Said no okay. woman ever. <laughs> things, things just got weird. That's not what she said. <laughs> hmm. uh, okay, so uh, it's time for the off-the-mat lesson, and this is uh, when we take something that happened in our regular days and uh, take it onto the mat or vice versa. And I have a good one this week. And uh, I've been talking to uh, the guys here about how uh, I'm really into coaching my uh, basketball team. I'm coaching a 12 and under advanced travel basketball team and, you know, kind of having a blast doing it. And I haven't coached basketball in years and, uh, um, you know, I'm just loving it. And, uh, yeah, I've been telling these guys how we're losing a lot of games this year, but, uh, you know, we're having fun and we're getting better every year. Um, you know, that's a little background on my team. But, you know, one good lesson that these these uh, kids taught me here a couple weeks ago was um, we've had some issues with some of our teammates. Uh, you know, a couple of people can't play, uh, you know, maybe a kid got put in juvie, uh, maybe <laughs> another kid. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's too old to be on the team and lied about his age. And we've just had a whole bunch of little hard Sounds like the stuff. Bad News Bears kind of a thing. Oh, no. We've got some good kids. It's just... Uh, Remember that movie? Just stuff. Yeah, great movie. I actually watched Bad News Bears go to Japan this weekend. You're like the Walter Matthau. I don't know about that. I don't drink or... I do cuss, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't but, need uh, to derail your story. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, these guys, we've ran into a bunch of... You know, our two best players uh, aren't on the team anymore. And, you know, so I'm playing with a bunch of guys, a bunch of kids who uh, played in the, like, intermediate league. And uh, this is our first year jumping up to the uh, the heavy league here. And, you know, so we've taken some bumps and bruises. Well, we were winning games till we lost a couple players. But as the seasons went on, we, we've lost a couple more. So, um, you know, we had a game here about a week and a half ago and uh you know we show up all ready to play and we're playing one of the really good teams so you know we were kind of you know i think anybody would have thought we'd probably get beat by you know 10 15 points easily and uh we show up for the game we're warming up and uh all of a sudden it comes time uh you know the the buzzer sounds and it's ready to start the game and we look around and there's only four people on our team and uh you know, I knew it and our other coach knew it, but we hadn't heard from any of the other players. And, you know, we were just hoping they were going to show up and, and nobody did. And uh, all of a sudden, about that point, you know, our kids see that uh, we only got four people. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, what are we going to do? And uh, the referee comes over and he's like, hey, do you got a, you know, where's your fifth? Uh, you know, you might have to forfeit. And, you know, we talked him into letting us play with four. And, you know, our kids, when they found out we could play, even though we had four players and we were playing four on five. So, I mean, it wasn't a four on four game. This was a game that was going to count and it was four against five. And, uh, you know, my kids all had a smile on their face. They just like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to have fun. 
um, we're going to be tired, but the cool thing is we get to play the whole game and, uh, we're just going to go out and try our hardest. And, uh, you know, these kids, they could have adopted another attitude and said, Hey, we have no chance to win. This is a, uh, one of the better teams in the league. Um, a team that beat us by 30 points. This team basically took them into overtime the week before. So, uh, you know, we were big underdogs and these kids just came out, had a smile on their face, played as hard as they could. You know, I'm proud to say we were up at halftime and, uh, you know, we had the other team so scared that they uh, pressed us the whole second half. Um, we were up 20 to 15 at halftime, and, you know, we got a little tired, and we had a little tr- trouble against that four-on-five press in the second half, and we ended up losing 48 to 44. But in my opinion, it was the best game we ever played. And, uh, you know, those kids, they just fought their hearts out. And, uh, and you know, they had a smile on their face the whole time. And, you know, even when they were done, they were just so happy of their uh, – their, uh, uh, how hard they played in there, you know, what they did. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a, it's a good reminder that stuff's not always going to go our way. Um, stuff didn't go these kids way. Um, you know, the game could have been called off. Um, you know, it wasn't, these kids were happy that they got to play and, you know, they made a best out of a situation that looked like there was, you know, a really bad situation. And, uh, you know, they didn't care that we didn't win. You know, they, they got to play. They played their hearts out, and they realized how great they did. And uh, I think if they had that mindset that, hey, we're just going to get destroyed, we would have got destroyed. You know, they uh, – and it was funny. It wasn't a pep talk for me and the other coach. It was just the kids were like, cool, because at first they thought the game was going to be canceled. And when they found out they could play, they all just, you know, just gave it everything they had. And uh, I was so proud of the kids, and I was so proud to be on the sidelines uh, associated with that team. Man, Gary, that's great. You're, you're building a team there. And regardless of the results, those kids are having uh, a, a great experience together and uh, with your with your guidance and your leadership there. Uh, it there's more to playing basketball or there's more to jujitsu. There's more to everything like this, these sports, than the results you get uh, in the actual event. And I think you're teaching those kids some big lessons and, and sometimes, you know, they might be in their thirties or forties or whatever. And, and they look at the cards and they're stacked against them. Like it's not fair. This isn't a fair uh, game. This isn't a fair matchup. This isn't a fair business dealing. This isn't something is, is not right, but you know what? You get your, uh, get out there and and do your best and 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 make the most of it and uh, taught them that early on. That's great, Gary. Yep, and I mean it just goes straight over to jujitsu. You know everything we do in jujitsu. I mean, some days we're going to show up and there's a uh, uh, you know depending on you know what size of city you live in or how how long your school's been, but there may be only you know four or five people at practice and uh, you know you're like, hey, I'm only going to get uh, four different rolling partners or. Um, you know, you could go to a tournament and you find out in uh, round one, like you said, you have a, a ADC qualifier, you know, ADCC qualifier in your first match. And, uh, you know, you can, you know, get upset and saying, hey, there's a good chance I'm going to lose. Or you can just go out and say, hey, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to give it all I got. And like you said, Byron, uh, you know, the winning or losing, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, uh, quantify you you know doesn't you know show the value of it you're just going to go out have fun and learn from it and uh, you know even if you lose you had a good time and and with a smile on your face and that's what counts gary you know that's the uh that's the best life lesson we've had in like a week <laughs> 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 
No, on a serious note, that that's the best thing I've heard today. That just brought a smile to my face. Uh, um, I don't think it's overstating it really to say that those kids, those boys, are going to be better men because of this experience you know because of this basketball season it's been a tough season and today they stood up or whenever this game was they stood up and uh man they were all they could be i guess that's an army slogan but yeah uh, but yeah you know it, it's fighting those battles that's that's what sports are so good for kids it's fighting those battles you know and it's going to make them better men and the one thing i'd like to point out about jujitsu and this uh story that you've told is a lot of guys when you first start to coach um, you start to teach. What does the coach let you do? He, he has you teaching the kids' class, and it's just teaching jujitsu. But really, you're teaching a lot more than jujitsu. Life lessons. Yep. Yeah, th- this right here is a perfect example of the impact that coaches can have on the kids that they work with. Well, you know, I I th- almost look at it the other way. The impact that these kids had on us, because really there was no. Uh, I mean. You know, maybe for some reason, you know, these kids were like, hey, you know, I'm rallying behind the coaches, but we really didn't say anything. It was, I just, you know, I learned so much from just watching these kids. All of a sudden, when they found out the game's not going to be a forfeit and we get into play, just a smile on their face. And, uh, you know, there was no pep talk for me. I kind of already told you guys uh, I tried to pep talk them a couple weeks ago and it failed miserably. But, um, uh, you know, I, I learned so much from these kids. These kids just, you know, taught me lessons. You know, there's sometimes I walk into work and today's a good example. Uh, you know, two of my loan officers are out and, uh, you know, I'm missing, uh, two out of six, you know, 33% of that side of, of my, uh, my team there. And, uh, on a Monday, which is a very busy day, I could, uh, you know, throw my hands in the air and, uh, you know, start cussing. Or I can get a smile on my face and say, bring it on. You know, there's a, here's a wall. I'm going to climb over it. I'm going to, uh, you know, lead from the front. And uh, that's what those kids did. And, uh, you know, they, uh, I know that day when I walked out of that building, you know, I walked out of that building like on cloud nine. My head was high. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm walking with a bunch of gladiators right here. Yeah, playing a whole game, five against four, and losing by four points. That's pretty spectacular, really. Yeah, yep. And, uh, yep. Yep, that's good. And part of that is your coaching, Gary. And that's the, about that. the main topic of today's episode is uh, your jiu-jitsu coach or what to expect out of your jiu-jitsu coach and, and, and what to look for in that relationship. And it is a relationship between the student and the coach. And you might be a coach. I know we have lots of coaches that listen to the show, and we have lots of students that listen to the show that have that relationship with the coach. What do you guys think of that? Is it a, a business relationship or is it a personal relationship or is it a uh, – how would you describe the relationship between a coach and a student? You actually, know, go ahead, Joe. No, actually, I was just going to say I didn't actually – I didn't anticipate that was going to be your first question, Byron. <laughs> that's a tough one. But, you know, yeah, that I think that's a really tough question right there. Um, not all the time is the coach, you know, really the owner, um, but – you know, I do think there is a business relationship also. I mean, I think if I, I've seen many gyms have trouble if it, if it's too friendly of a gym and dues are not paid on time, uh, you know, dues are just not paid sometimes or paid late. Um, you know, that can really hurt a uh, hurt a school. So I do think you have to have 
that business relationship. Uh, you know, you need to pay, you need to pay up, you need to pay seminars. Uh, if you order gear, you need to pay the gear. Um, you know, you have to do that. But I also think, you know, there's a big personal aspect there of the coach too, that is going to, you know, help you on your journey and your not only your jiu-jitsu journey, you know, I, the, you know, that, that coach is going to be there for, for other things, a mentor, a father figure, a mother figure, um, you know, just to help you out. And really, if your coach is like that, your whole school's like that, you know, it just, it bleeds down from the top. Um, you know, your, your students are all going to be there for each other. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a family atmosphere and they're going to hold each other accountable, not only to, you know, show up for class, you know, if you're, you're sick or, or out for a while, they're going to check up on you, but they're also going to make sure you, you pay your dues to keep the school working because, uh, you know, it's one for all, all for one, you know, you guys are all, everyone's in it together to make this a, a better, uh, entity. Yeah, that's, that's hopefully the way it's going. And, uh, I think it like looking at whether it's a business relationship or personal relationship, it, largely depends on the individual relationship. <laughs> there are there are thousands of different combinations of, of relationships with your with your coach or with your students that uh that can kind of a combination of those two or, or even some other uh things that could could appear. I mean easily can see like a family relationship with the coach as well. Like, I mean, that could be, that could be your, your, your mother is the coach or, uh, you know, maybe your brother is a coach or something like that. That's, that's also important to notice, but the most typical is, um, is the, the business relationship that you have as Gary was getting to, like you, you pay, uh, the gym and you do that in a timely manner and they act like a professional. And then the personal relationship is just because jujitsu is so personal. This doesn't happen when you go, I don't know, get go to the store or go get your car repaired or something like that. There's not that same relationship that you have with your coach. It's 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 definitely uh, there's a personal relationship there as well, and so it kind of goes into this this gray area where if I think it gets a little bit more challenging when when you want to change schools or something like that, like. The business relationship is one thing. Like, okay, that's that's minus X amount of money for the business to be running each month. But it's also like it's kind of like you break up with somebody, and it kind of hurts a little bit sometimes. And sometimes that maybe the coach is like, "Well, good luck and good riddance," you know, or something like that. But most of the time, coaches, uh, you know, enjoy their students, and so they that they can be a little bit um, hurt by students leaving personally and not just as a business relationship. So I think that's just an important thing to, to look at kind of where is your relationship with your coach? Uh, do you feel like they're a friend? Do you feel like you could, you would you know invite them to a party? Would you invite them, uh, you know, to a birthday party or just to get watching the fights or watching, you know, ADCC on, you know, you know, pay-per-view type of thing or, or does it, you just show up or, and you learn jujitsu yeah. or going to the trampoline park. Or going to the trampoline park, yes. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> it, when I was listening to you guys talk about this, I, I started thinking about it from the uh, uh, aspect of would I rather have a relationship with my coach that was more a business relationship or a personal relationship? And to me, the obvious answer is I'd rather have it more like a personal relationship. 
And when it becomes a business relationship is when my coach has to come and remind me to pay my dues. And, you know, if there's expectations and I'm not meeting them, then he's got to come remind me of that. So from a student's perspective, if I want a personal relationship with my coach and I don't want it to be a business or about money, I I can make some uh, headway there by paying my dues on time and, and meeting all the expectations. And then that gets that out of the way. I know that's part of the relationship already. I've got an agreement with the gym to pay them X amount of money to train every month. And I just pay that. And I get that out of the way. And then that makes that separate from my relationship with my coach. Yep. That's a good point, Joe. And I was going to go back to that. Uh, something that you said, Byron, um, you were talking about, you know, the business relationship and, you were saying, you know, if you go get your car fixed, you know, it's it's just a business relationship. You don't have that personal relationship. But there are times where you go to different places. You know, let's say you go get your car fixed. They remember you from last time and the time before. They remember talking to you about, you know, your kid or that you do jujitsu. And, and you go in there and they're like, hey, you're here for your oil change? You know, hey, how's the jujitsu going? Uh, you have any tournaments? Um, you know, how's the basketball team doing? You know, you watch the Laker game or, you know, they know stuff about you. And that relationship is just incredible. So, I mean, you you think about we're talking about the jujitsu and a business relationship that you have at most jujitsu schools. But when you do have it at a at a place of business, you know, a place where you actually shop and, you know, exchange commerce, you know, we just look at that as such incredible service. And uh, it just seems like the majority of the jujitsu gyms, I guess, maybe because, uh, you know, jujitsu is so fun. But it just seems like, uh, you know, that personal relationship is always there. But, uh, you know, the business, I just love going into businesses that remember you, that throw that personal personal aspect out there. It's just something that I remember. And that's a, that's a place I was, I'm going to shop and I'm going to pay more money for that. You know, like these jujitsu owners, uh, you own a club. Um, uh, you know, I'll always pay more money for places where I feel like I'm treated awesome. Uh, you know, people know my name and, uh, and I know you're going to know that, in, you know, jujitsu places, but, you know, ask me about my family, ask me about my kids or just little things like that goes a long way. Yeah, and I think Joe has a good point as well as far as uh, like paying your pay your dues your dues on yeah. time and like yeah. just just we talked about the quote like I don't know what you're going through so if you're kind of a jerk today I'll, I'll you know give you the pass and and maybe you're having maybe you're looking at getting fired or maybe you've got you know the repo guys coming to take your car Gary or something like that but you know think of it from the coach's point of view maybe the coach is looking at the spreadsheet and it's like, man, it's going to be tough to, to pay all these, you know, pay the, pay the rent and, and pay the water bill and all this stuff coming in and then look at the students and, and you're one of the ones that hasn't paid yet. And your coach might seem a little bit, you know, j- just subconsciously may not be as friendly to you that day because like you're not part of the solution yet this month or, or you're late or, or that sort sort of thing. So I th- it's not going to hurt your relationship with the coach on a personal level if you, like Joe was saying, strengthen the business side of that relationship. You you pay your your dues on time, or 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 if you have something Let worked out to where you clean the the gym instead of you know instead of work something out to where if you can't afford to pay or some of that, but you're you're a part of that team, and it's just if you're stressing your coach about money, it's, it might be a little bit harder for them to just open up and and invest that time in you that. That would be uh, a little less frustrating. You don't think so, Gary? 
No, yeah, I, I agree with that. But what I was going to say is we're always going to run into trouble, some financial issues or whatever. And uh, you may be really having a hard time. But, you know, instead of not paying your coach and you may not have the money, talk to your coach, you know, let your coach know. And I mean, that's what we're going to do on the personal side. You know, if I have an issue with Byron, I'm going to talk to him. If I have an issue with Joe, I'm going to talk to him. So, uh, you know, let always let your coach know about little things that are going to happen. Um, you know, if, uh, if you're struggling, like Byron said, if your car got repoed and, uh, but you know, Joe makes a great point. It's, uh, you know, the school is there for the betterment of everybody. And, uh, we need to, uh, you know, all pitch in to make that better. And, uh, you know, for the instructor to keep that, keep, you know, the lights on, keep, you know, mats there, you know, be able to buy mat cleaner, uh, be able to, you know, travel to tournaments with you. Um, you know, we need to, uh, he needs to make some money. He needs to, uh, uh, you know, more than break even. Yeah. Th- this is a side note. Doesn't have much to do with your coach, but, uh, I want to say I could count six or eight places that I've trained on a regular basis where I have not had the normal traditional month to month uh, dues because I'm only there part of the month or because I didn't have the money early on. And, and in every case I've come to some sort of an alternative agreement with uh, the owner and the coach of the gym. Maybe I just pay per visit or maybe I pay for two weeks out of the month or maybe I bring them seafood back when I was a fisherman. So for if you're listening and this is an issue for you, uh, talk to your coach and maybe you can come to some sort of an agreement. I've never had a coach. Uh, I've never seen a coach turn somebody down that wanted to learn jujitsu and was willing to pay what they could afford. Yep. And for uh, some of you guys who haven't listened a lot to, to uh, all 299 of our podcasts, but uh, Joe, you work, 14 on 14 off. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And, and, and so that's why he's running into issues sometimes, you know, he's in Houston for 14 days and he's out to sea for 14 days. So, uh, um, a little different there schedule is what Joe's got going on. Cause the reason I was doing that, Joe, I just got a text from one of our listeners who just heard that. And they thought maybe you were in jail for 14 days and they let you out. And I just wanted to clear things up. Uh, Joe is no. not a criminal. And Joe yeah, goes no, no. right back in as soon as he gets yeah. out. And yeah. I know we've talked about Joe, you know, having issues with fish cops here the last couple episodes. But no, Joe is a law-abiding citizen. Well, it's not that I'm a law-abiding citizen, Gary. It's just work release doesn't work that way. <laughs> I'm in for the weekends, and I'm out Monday through Friday. <laughs> so, what what kind of things do you do you look for in a coach? As far as I guess, there's different. I mean, we're using coaches as somebody who teaches you jujitsu, but you might be looking at a person who is coaching you on the sidelines or teaching you technique. Uh, we're kind of looking at all under the kind of the same umbrella, but at some gyms, these might be different people. What, what are you know, some qualities that you guys kind of look for when when you're trying to maybe maybe have a buddy call you up and say, "Hey, I'm trying to make a decision on which gym to go to," and tell me about your coaches. What, what would you look for? You know, the great thing about that is, and we're talking about the personal or the business relationship, but, you know, the great thing about that is everybody needs different stuff. You know, Byron, Joe, and I are not the same. Um, you know, Byron wishes he was I, but I try. Uh, it doesn't happen. But, you know, we all have unique characteristics, and, uh, you know, I doubt ours are going to be the same. But the one thing I look for right off the bat is a really personable coach. Uh, you know, 
maybe if I was younger, I'd want, you know, the hardcore coach, but you know, I just want somebody who, uh, you know, I guess can make me laugh. Uh, you know, just makes me happy to be there. Um, you know, it sounds kind of weird, but that's just me. I just like the, uh, just a very happy go lucky person. Um, you know, that knows jujitsu. I want somebody who knows jujitsu. You definitely need that as your coach. But, uh, you know, the first thing that comes off to me is, is the personality. You know, I've seen people who aren't very talkative and, uh, you know, that, you know, I mean, still that that can make a great coach. I'm not saying it doesn't, but you know, I always like the, the person who's talkative will joke around and very personable. You know, Gary, I like what you said there about uh, everybody's needs something different. So it, it'd be damn near impossible to, like, describe the perfect coach. But one thing I I have found that I appreciate over the last couple of years. So if I were to move tomorrow and I moved to a city that had three or four different gyms, um, I would look for this. I have found that I appreciate a coach that puts a lot of work into coming up with a plan. A curriculum, a training regimen so that they put a lot of thought into it. And I'm not smart enough necessarily to know which plan is best, but just the fact that the coach is putting that kind of effort into it is something that I really appreciate. I, uh, one of the coaches that I train with now has a, a system where he's constantly a different position every day. And if you just randomly come to seven or eight classes in a month, you're likely to get, uh, seven or eight different positions and but but then on the other hand he kind of ties it all together if you're a regular student you're going to get uh, it's all going to fit together and he puts a lot of thought into it i don't know if it's the best plan but i appreciate the work that he's put into it, and that's something i would always look for you know i like what you're saying there joe um uh, you know I, i've talked to people whose uh, coach has like an online uh you know, video library where, you know, classes are, are taped and they're put in there, you know, you get a little password and, you know, uh, you can go back and kind of like in your situation, you can go back and, uh, you know, check out the classes you may miss to see what's going on. But, uh, you know, that's, it makes me think of the coach who puts in, you know, who has a plan who, you know, puts in that extra work to, you know, make sure you're, you're, you know, you're going to get the most out of it. Um, I know uh, one time we talked to a uh, Will Horniff, um, one of the early episodes uh, out of New York City there. And I remember he was talking about having video monitors in every corner of the um, of the gym. And, you know, as he was going over stuff, it was also being broadcast on the video monitors. Like somebody may get a better, you know, be able to see better on a video monitor depending on where they're 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 at i just thought that was kind of a cool idea but you know just some of these people are just putting extra thought into how to teach their students better um how to you know get it across and make your students better that's um you know incredible and i remember you know at our first bjj brick event last year really delgado tim sled and jake fox we're all sitting around talking and I was kind of listening into them and that's what they were talking about. They were talking about how to teach better and they weren't talking about how to have better, you know, a better way to hold the elbow. You know, they were talking about how to articulate it better, how to, you know, you know, articulate the masses better, how everybody's different and, you know, how they can become better at getting across their points and everything. And, you know, that just struck me as a, as an instructor that really cares is really professional, really has a plan to make you better. 
man, let, let me just give, give a shout out to those three guys real quick because um, they weren't sitting around talking about how to recruit more students or how to charge more money or how to put on bigger seminars. I think that's awesome that you're listening to these three guys in a candid moment, and what they're talking about is how they can better teach jujitsu. Yeah, that was incredible. That was it, out of the whole weekend. That's really what got me the most. Just, uh, just hearing that, and it just made me realize that, uh, you know, there's some incredible people out there. Yep, I'm looking forward to the next BJJ Brick event. Gary, I thought you said when you got to roll Joe was the best part. You changed your mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I changed my mind. Yeah, sorry, Joe. But but if we would have recorded it and if we would have uploaded it, we would have won the internet. Well, you would have. You always <laughs> win the internet. I just won it this week. You know, I don't win it constantly. He he tries to win his rolls. <laughs> yeah, dinner rolls. Uh, looking at uh, kind of what I value in it, just a coach. I think you guys have some great points and. And Gary's getting that like teaching skill. That's a that's a big one. So I do appreciate a high knowledge base. So you could go up to uh, somebody and say, "Hey, you know, I'm in this particular spot in side control. I've got the arm moved in this way, and they start to rotate this way, and 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 like get like real specific about some little facet of jujitsu. And it's like, boom, they've got an answer set up for that. Wow, that's really cool. There's a lot to jujitsu. There's a lot of little tiny details that can be very important. And some people are better at just knowing a lot of jiu-jitsu. I don't think of myself as that type of a, of a grappler. I, the stuff I know, I try to get a deep knowledge base in it, but there's large parts of the game I know very little about. And so if somebody comes up to me and they're asking me, okay, so for, in Daily Heva, what do I do after I, I get to Daily Heva? I'm like, I don't know. Let's go ask this guy. <laughs> I don't play Daily Heva guard. I never really have. And But but I'd be more than happy to, to point you to the right way. But if, if you want... If like the coach is the coach of the school and and it's like one black belt and you know thirty white belts, that wide knowledge base is pretty important. And I think if that was me, I, I would start branching out and trying to get uh, that wider knowledge base because you can't outsource it to your teammates necessarily. Yeah, but, Byron, let me let me interrupt real quick though. But you know, I would really respect a coach, you know, who says, or you know, uh, I'm going to give you two scenarios, who says, hey. I really don't have a lot of experience with that position. Let me get you with Byron. You know, not afraid to admit that's not his best position and says, hey, this guy here at our school is better. But you bring up the second point. You know, let's say you only have one black belt. You're kind of a small school. And let's say everybody else is a blue belt. So you don't have a ton of knowledge there. But I would also respect, hey, I don't have a ton of knowledge in that that spot. Let me do some research. Uh, let me talk to some people. Let me check some stuff out. And uh, is it okay if I get back with you and, you know, Thursday night and I help you out there too? You know, I respect that. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, because I don't think everybody's going to have the best, you know, be able to have an answer for everything. And, you know, jujitsu, where we never really become the master, we're always growing. Yeah. Byron, but- you, th- you talked a little bit about coaches that are like specialized, they're, they're good in one aspect, or, or maybe they're specialist, and then that wider uh, knowledge base. Um, I, I I appreciate from a student's perspective people that teach uh, concepts and fundamentals. Yes. And when, when they're teaching a move, it's not so much about the specific details for that move, but it's about the fundamentals and the concepts that make that work. And that way, if the coach happens to be like an open guard specialist, that's what they're really good at, 
they're not teaching me the details necessarily of those techniques, but they're teaching me about base and balance and, and off balancing my opponent. And so if they teach that way, even if they're a specialist, I can still benefit greatly from their teaching. If my game is different from theirs. That's a good point, Joe. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to teaching and, and concepts are uh, kind of a good way to teach a class because the classroom setting is not the perfect place to, to learn jujitsu. It's the perfect place to teach a lot of people jujitsu, but each of us are individuals with our own personalized games and you're trying to teach a class to, to everybody that hopefully they could pick it up. But when you can explain the concepts that, that I think benefits the group as a whole in, in a bigger way. You know, just hearing, uh, you know, concepts, you know, when I first started jujitsu, I, I was taught moves and, uh, and, uh, once I started hearing some concepts and I remember I, you know, I, on the internet, uh, I was listening to, uh, Scully, Jason, uh, Scully there, um, talking about a Kimura, you know, concepts on the Kimura and that blew me away. Um, you know, just the way he explained it and, you know, it wasn't necessarily a new move, but it was the concepts and, uh, that really changed my game, you know, just concepts. And, uh, you know, when you brought that up, Joe, I was like, that's, that's gospel right there. That's something that, you know, really, when somebody can really explain that to me, my game changes big time. That's gospel. So did I win the Bible too, Gary? (laughs) (laughs) Joe, you're trying to win everything. Uh, I, I think appreciate I don't know if it, man. Jesus might have won that one, Joe. <laughs> I, I think you're right. <laughs> I'm not in the running. <laughs> what belt is he? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Does man. he have a high knowledge base? <laughs> uh, I bet you he's uh, professional and on time. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that I... It, some things about your coach, you don't realize that they're going good until you see them not going well. And I think being on time is something that I, I overlooked it all the time. Uh, we're at Fox fitness where I'm training and where we'll see you guys at the summer camp. Um, Jake like lives there during the days. It seems like, so he doesn't, he's not showing up at six 30 to teach a six thirty class. He's been there all afternoon. And so it, it, he's there now, whether class gets started on time or not, usually something happens or, or if it doesn't start on time, usually something's popped up that he's got a cover, but somebody else could get the class started. But, uh, you know, there are times and, and it's, you know, there are excuses and stuff. That, I mean, some things are valid. Maybe the class time needs to get bumped back a little bit or something like that. But having a coach that shows up on time and they're reliable, you know, you didn't, you didn't waste your whole Saturday morning waiting for a coach to show up and they never did and to unlock the door to get you into the, to the gym. I think, you know, those sort of things, you don't notice them until they happen. And it's like, then that sucked. I could have done something else this Saturday morning then waiting to get an open mat to, to roll. Um, I think that could be a pretty big one. I, you know, a coach that's polite. Um, so the, the, there's, uh, that's another key thing I like to look for. So I appreciate people who, you know, are themselves and who are able to joke and have fun. And, and, and you would look at the relationship I have with somebody like, that's not a polite relationship. They're teasing. We're teasing each other. We're having uh, that sort of thing uh, happening. And it, but when I bring somebody else into the gym, when when I bring a friend or you know uh, my spouse or something like that, they're polite to that person, and it's not like they're two different people. It's 
they they are showing that person that respect that we were talking about earlier, and and you have to know somebody a little bit before you could give them a hard time about some personal things like like we do a lot of times on the mats or whatever. Uh, but I, like anybody I bring in to, to Fox Fitness as a guest, I know that they'll be treated politely. And, you know, in five minutes when I'm talking to Jake or we're on the mats, he might be teasing me in a way that wouldn't be appropriate for him to do to that person, which is perfect. That's, I like that. That's fun. That's that personal relationship that you have with, with somebody. But I like, you know, Coach, that's to me being polite and respectful to people is a big one because I just don't want to bring somebody in uh, to train for the first time as like my friend if they're going to be rude. That's that's not setting that person up for success. It's making me look like I'm like I'm training at some kind of a crazy place where people are rude rude to each other. I don't know. That's kind of a hard one to to get to to get past. I, I like that point, Byron. Um, and most jujitsu gyms that I've trained at been a part of. They've they've had that ability to. You know, have the uh, a camaraderie of the guys on the mat, gals on the mat, you know, and then treat visitors with respect. I wanted to touch back on your comments on professionalism and on time. And I wouldn't tell a coach how to run a gym, but as a student who uh, is a regular member of two different gyms, and they both have one thing in common, and that is that the, the class is structured a certain way. I mean, it's different at both gyms, but each gym I go into, I know that I'm going to get at one gym, for instance, 20 minutes of cardio and strength and conditioning type stuff first, and then 20 minutes of uh, drilling, and then 20 minutes of uh, instructional, and then open mat. I'm going to get that every time. At the other gym, it's structured a little bit differently, but uh, – other students might be different, but I appreciate that. You know, I, I've been to other gyms where you go in and, and you're expecting 20, 20, 20, and they're like, oh, we're going to do an hour of strength and conditioning today. Or or you walk in, it's like we're drilling all day. So I don't know what other people think, but I, I appreciate when classes are structured and when they, for the most part, stick to that structure. That's a good point, Joe. I've seen a lot of schools who – have you know what they're going to do every single day too um you know they'll they'll break it down today we're doing this for 20 minutes or whatever but uh yeah if you're expecting something and all of a sudden you're doing you know an hour of strength and conditioning and let's say you pulled your hamstring or quad and uh, you don't really want to do frog jumps and this and that but uh you were wanting to work some light technique it's going to be a, a tough day for you yeah if you have different classes and, and you uh tell me beforehand that's fine if you tell me we're going to do jujitsu on monday and uh crossfit on tuesday i'll just come on monday you know? <laughs> yeah. so so yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that from a student's perspective if you uh you know t- tell me what to expect when i get there and then you stick with it i appreciate that we talked a little bit about yeah uh, i think joe made the point of if you can't you know pay your bill on time that you know that might very well warrant a conversation just to say hey man uh about these things happening right now uh i'll get you next week just to let you know or hey looks like i'm gonna miss up a couple months of jiu-jitsu until I, my finances get settled up and and i'm able to come back in and and train with you guys and the, the coach might respond to that hey keep training and, you know we get, get you caught up when, when that happens who knows but some things warrant conversations and so if you're having an issue with your coach or you're disappointed in in the way things are going you have to be careful with how you do this because you you're 
typically coming from a place of, of less knowledge base. Like you, your coach has been teaching for 10 years and you've been training for 10 months. So, hey, coach, I really don't think you teach enough arm bars. That may not be the best thing to say, but coach, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I want to compete. So can, is there any way I could, I could focus more or maybe learn a bit more about, uh, you know, the point system or something like that. That's a perfectly valid thing to, to, to tell your coach. So like to have these conversations in appropriate ways, uh, is a way to better help your coach fit the, fit the person that you want them to be. And they might be that, you know, the coach when they talk to Gary is like a competition coach. Go, here's how we do this, and, and here's how you get your points, and, and here's how you get that advantage. And then Joe comes in. He's talking about Joe about, you know, defending off an attacker. And it could be because the people have communicated different goals that they have uh, with, with jiu-jitsu. And so does your coach even know your goal? Does your coach know that your main reason for showing up every day is so you can lose a few pounds every month? Does your coach realize that that maybe you know you're trying to get a little confidence, or or the kids are coming to class for you know to to have some more discipline in their lives, or something like that? So I I think just communicating while you're there, you know what's the reason you show up, or maybe just letting them know, hey, I've what it's done for you so far is is another way you could, could kind of communicate that, and uh, I think that that's that's a good way to help set your coach up for success. You know, and that goes back to every one of us is different. You know, we all have different goals. Like a coach uh, can't basically treat everybody the same, you know, because it really is a business when we break down to it. You know, we become a family atmosphere. Everybody becomes great friends. But, you know, the coach has to make money. You can't lose money each and every month. Uh, the school's not going to be around. Um, so, you know, everybody's going to be different. The coach needs to get to know you. Um, find out, you know, why you're there. You know, there's, there's always going to be that hardcore, uh, competitors. There's always going to be some MMA fighters. There's always going to be some people who just want to lose weight. There's always going to be some people who just like to train. There's also going to be the people who just want to wear the tap out shirts. You're going to have, you know, a diverse group of individuals, but the crazy thing is, man, uh, the guy who just came in to get in shape turns out to be best friends with the, the savage killer MMA fighter. You know, it's kind of kind of crazy, the friendships you develop there. Um, but, uh, you know, like communicate that with the coach. But it's also the coach needs to communicate with you and, and find out why you're there, um, you know, so he can, uh, you know, best help you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Gary. So if you're the student, you should tell your coach, you know, what you're looking for, what you uh, want to get out of to. If you're the coach, take the responsibility and ask the student, like, 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 what's the the main reason you're 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 here, or what do you like most, or that sort of thing, and just you know get a feel for the. You should know your students individually, but also you might get a start get a feel for the room, and and see where things are going, and maybe you could, you know, change you know the course a little bit as far as uh, where you're going, because most of your students are are wanting to to go in this particular direction. I think that's a that's a good. A good coach can listen well and can observe the students and ask the right questions and, yep. and help them get to where and, they want to go. Yep, and change directions. You know, uh, we may have started off going down this road, but, uh, you know, based on what my students want or, you know, the what I have is, uh, you know, hey, it's time to switch, you know, directions a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, that's where that family atmosphere comes in. That's where the coach gets to know the students. The students gets to know the coach and uh, we find out what's best for the group as a whole. 
Yeah, there's a a lot of facets to the coach student relationship, but it is a relationship. So whichever role you're in, and you're even coaches have uh, their own coaches or have somebody they look up to that's helping them. But there's two sides to the relationship. It's not just my coach is bad. You need to to talk to your coach and to to work with them and see if they could. Maybe they are bad. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of bad coaches out there, but uh, maybe they just don't understand what you want. So there's two sides to a relationship, and, and you're half of that uh, relationship. So you could change you, but also you need to, to realize that they may, may be coaching for the wrong thing. I, I could just imagine, you know, showing up teaching a seminar about, you know, uh, winning tournaments to a class that showed up and wanted to learn about, you know, knife defense that's not. That's gonna suck for everybody. That no one's gonna be into it. They don't care about it. Uh, no one's gonna learn anything that's of any value to them. It's just like it's not gonna work. So, yeah, help Byron, your coach out there, guys. All the knife fights you've been in, you've got a lot of knowledge, and you can really teach that. <laughs> I could try. My teaching skill for the knife fights is not high. I have that knowledge base and the experience, but I lack the ability to communicate it in a way that makes fundamental. Uh, concepts pop out to my students. So What'd they all say? get stabbed. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> I think the jujitsu. Remember, live students are the only students that can pay your monthly dues. <laughs> they, uh, that's that's a good point. Uh, another thing that I look for a coach to to have a large uh, effect over is the culture of the gym and, and is it a safe environment to train? Is it the culture of it competitive or is it playful or, you know, is it, you know, a, a place where people come and learn and, and kind of develop their own systems? What is the culture of the gym? And uh, a big chunk of that responsibility is on the coach. So if the, if the gym doesn't feel right to you uh, or they're just directionally headed in the wrong way or whatever, that might be a consideration to, to look at different places. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's easier if you're like moving to a city and you're comparing three or four gyms to really evaluate that with a, like a professional eye. Like you've been training for a while. You could look at the different gyms, say, Hey, I want to train here, or this is a better place. When you're new, typically you just you kind of pick a place to train and, and you, you might tour a few, but it's really hard to kind of evaluate a lot of these, these things on a, effective level you know one coach might be bragging about how much they've competed and how great they were the other coach may have been even better but doesn't brag about it very much <laughs> so is there's a lot to to finding the right coach and then even if you don't to develop a relationship with a coach that fits you well i think uh it's an important thing yeah, i like what you're talking about that culture safe environment you know being a a little bit older grappler by many years. Um, but you know, that's one thing I really look for is safety. I don't really want to, uh, you know, go into a, a gym and I know gyms are different. There are some really hardcore competitive gyms, but I don't really want to, you know, train in one every day that, uh, you know, is really hardcore, you know, hitting arm bars hard. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I, I, I like to have fun. I, I like to be safe and, uh, I want my training partners to be safe with me. Um, uh, 
you know, I need to go to work the next day. And, you know, I know everybody's a little bit different. And, you know, that's why I think it's like Byron said, it's a good idea to check out, you know, different gyms. Sometimes you may only have one that you, you know, you have the option for. There may only be one in town. But if there are, you know, more than one, you know, a lot of gyms offer a free week. Some of them offer a free month. And, uh, you know, try them out. See what works best. See what fits you the best, what culture, what atmosphere uh, you like and uh, where you think you're going to excel at. Yeah, the cool thing about this particular point is more than any other point we've made so far, there's no wrong or right. Uh, Culture is a matter of preference. So if you live someplace where they've got multiple schools, make sure you take in two or three classes at each one. And if you're you know, if you're 28 years old and you wrestled in high school and you think you could be really good at this jujitsu thing and you visit a gym and uh, Gary and Byron are playing footsie in the corner and I'm doing Tai Chi <laughs> over on the other side of the mat, that's probably not the right gym for you. You need to find one that's that's got more uh, alpha males and, and competitive uh, nature to it. And, uh, yeah, there's a there's a gym for everyone if, if you're fortunate enough to live in a town that's got multiple gyms. So, Joe, you're saying Byron and I are not alpha males? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're all a little bit long in the tooth, Gary. So, <laughs> Gary's version of footsie is my could get my knee broken. <laughs> <There you. laughs> we 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 play footsies the alpha male style. How's that? Yep, heel hook. And I mean, Joe, you're going back to, uh, you're talking about cultures and you're talking about if you wrestled in college, um, you know, you're probably looking for, a, a, you know, much more competitive and, you know, some schools are self-defense oriented. I mean, uh, you know, some people are looking for self-defense. Some people are looking for a competition. Uh, some people want to be MMA fighters. Some people want to lose weight. Um, but the good point I liked you, what you said, Joe, is you said try two or three classes. And, you know, sometimes one class isn't just enough. And like we said, a lot of schools offer a free week. I see a lot of schools now offering free months. Um, you know, more than one class is probably going to be a little bit better for you. One class, you, you may miss something. You, you may not get the whole culture there. So, uh, you know, if you can try a couple of different classes at, at a couple of different gyms and, uh, see what's going to work best for you because, uh, you know, jujitsu is a journey and, uh, I think it's easier if we start at one school and, and stay at one school, you know, I don't really want to, uh, change schools every, you know, six months. I want to, you know, just like when, uh, you know, I pick a wife, I want to pick one wife, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not, uh, you know, wanting to switch, you know, Don't every need to day. make two women mad at you, Gary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, Gary, yeah. you got an anniversary coming up or something? <laughs> you guys are going to have to remember, remember for me. Cause I think I forgot last year. <laughs> so I'm counting on you guys. You know, Gary's got a good point. You kind of look at what your goals are. You got to have. If you know what your goals are, maybe you just like to train, and that's your good goal, and, and or that's your kind of your why is this fun? That's kind of what I'm looking at now. Is, is I really enjoy it. If you're wanting to compete, or you're wanting to develop a certain aspect of your game, or something like that, these are all factors, and you can't like have everything on the table at the same time. I want the best competition coach. I want the best self defense coach. I want the best uh, weight loss coach, and, and all these things. You kind of need to to look at those things. And, and select what's the main one for you. And it's kind of like, you know, that old saying, if you try to catch uh, two rabbits, you'll often end up catching none or something like that. What's that saying, Joe? <laughs> I, think, I think that's exactly how it went, actually. 
Uh, if you ch- yeah. if you chase two rabbits, you you will catch neither. And that's correct. That's a, that's a great saying. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to our article of the week. Um, yeah, and it was uh, it's on the uh, BJJ Brick podcast uh, website. You can go check it out. And uh, this article actually. Uh, was a result of a, a post I made on Facebook. I posted an old Chinese proverb uh, said, "If you chase two rabbits, you will catch neither." And uh, and I, I'm thinking of this from the perspective of those uh, technique of the month club type of guys. You know, they're just from one technique to the next, and they and they don't spend enough time on one of them to get good at it. And we had a listener though that just read the quote and posted, uh, "I disagree. I don't think this has anything to do with jujitsu." So that uh, piqued my interest, and I uh, exchanged some messages with him. And he was looking at it from the standpoint of if you only go for a singular technique or submission from a particular position, then it's easy for your opponent to defend. So he's thinking if you put three rabbits in in the corner of a pin and you start to narrow in on them, one of them is going to panic and make a mistake, and then that's your easiest rabbit to catch. And so if you're doing jujitsu and you can put your posi- your opponent in a position to where they're going to make a mistake and then you're going to capitalize on that. An example would be from uh, closed guard. If I sit up into the hip bump sweep and I, and I threaten that sweep, if my opponent does nothing, then the sweep is the easy rabbit to catch. If he posts his hand on the mat, then the Kimura is the easy rabbit. And if he drives back into me, then the guillotine is the easy rabbit. There's, there's three techniques that are right there in one position. And depending on what my opponent does, the one's going to be easy to catch. Joe, I want to know how you did the drawing. I think your, your art for this, uh, is awesome. Yeah, everybody go, go to the website and check it out. I actually paid $15,000. I thought this was worth the money. I hired a professional artist to do this. Um, can, you re- <laughs> can, you, can you read this? What's that say? BJJ Brick at the bottom? I think Byron did it. Yeah, that's it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I really like it. It reminds me of your, uh, when you were doing the, the, the four kills more, uh, um, you know, people or whatever than anything else. So, you know, the drawings you had <laughs> you on that one. that one, Carrie. Yeah, I don't know. More I people die from the than the from the spoon than the knife. Yeah, that's what I like. But yeah, I I, I thought the uh, I mean the article's great, and I love the way Chris came up. You know, with a different way because I was thinking your way there, Joe, too. You know, uh, um, you know the technique of the month club. But when Chris explained what he was talking about, I see exactly what he's talking about. We're you know we're going from one, two, three, or or whatever. We're catching the easy one, or or you know we're setting them up for you know option two, option three. So yeah, uh, yeah, I like. Thanks to Chris Hubner, who's a, a local up there in Wichita with Byron and Gary. Um, but I, I was listening to this is new since I wrote this article. I was listening to uh, Straight Blast, Straight Blast Jim, uh, their podcast, and they were talking about posture, pressure, and opportunity. And I, think it's, you, I think it's possibilities because <laughs> it's already po- possibilities. Oh, yeah, the three P's. <laughs> same, same, same thing. Only I'm not that smart. But um, if you don't know how to put three rabbits in a small pin, 
that's a great way. You you get a superior posture, you you apply pressure, and you look at what your opponent's going to do, and there's your rabbits. So, for instance, when you sit up into that hip bump sweep, what you're doing is you're getting superior posture, and you're putting pressure on them to sweep them that direction, and how they react to that posture and pressure is going to be what allows you to pick the easiest rabbit to catch. Yeah, but Joe, you think about, Take a look at those rabbits. Their ears are very long. Uh, if I have you in guard and I have, instead of grabbing the collar, I'm going straight for the ear. The, you know how much force I have, and there's no way that rabbit's going to be able to get posture when I'm holding one of those ears. Well, you know, Gary, that's actually something that I uh, have to deal with when I grapple because my ears hang low. They wobble to and fro. <laughs> Sometimes my opponent takes them and ties them. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's hit song is coming out next week. <laughs> anyway, Joe, guys, go check artist. out the article and let us know what you think. Yeah, I think it, it's it's great to look at this from those both perspectives. Uh, I, if you ask me what I'm what am I training, I typically have something that I'm training that like a theme I'm working on, and that. To me, that brings deeper enjoyment, and it gives me some direction. I, a lot of times when I start rolling with somebody, I'll say, what are you working on? Or, or are you working on anything? And most of the time they say no. But if they say something, we're definitely going to get to that position during the roll so they can work on that. When we will start there or we end up there, that's fine. But uh, I like having one rabbit to chase while I'm rolling as far as you know, I'm working on back attack or I'm working on guillotine or I'm working on triangles. What, like I have something that I'm working on for direction and sure there's lots of little sub rabbits out of there and then uh, you know yeah chris's thing is really smart you know you're rolling you can't always just force the one thing you want to have happen and get success like you need to have a couple of options and a perfect easy example is either i force you to get swept or in defending that sweep i set up a submission and this, like if you can find those situations it's just going to start to get easier for you because you could you could have a really good sweep. The better your sweep is, the better your setup's going to be for the submission as well. And it, that's great. And I really appreciate you guys talking so good about my uh, very poor artwork. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, I struggle to find it. Every time Joe writes an article or, or I make an article or Gary wrote the article that he did, uh, I want to have some kind of a picture with it. And a lot of times it's just words. I just make a little – I just write the title out in words. But I was like, man, this is fun with the rabbits. I got to do something. So I drew some rabbits with a Sharpie and I made it into <laughs> a digital image. And I noticed after it was all over, the guy has five fingers on one hand and <laughs> four on the other. <laughs> man, that's bad. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing yep. wrong with but, that. But, hey, uh, you know, I know you guys all appreciate Byron's uh, – drawing skills you've seen it a couple times but um, if you really want to appreciate his drawing skills check out the bjj brick event number two uh, june 14th through 16th 14th uh, it's at fox fitness uh, fox fitness bjj.com uh, fox fitness wichita kansas um basically friday night is open mat saturday is uh incredible seminars shamir chantre gina franson they've both been on this show they have both been here to wichita and i uh, had seminars they're incredible that's the meat and potatoes day uh, basically sunday is uh, uh byron is going to have a seminar the bjg brick crew um, you don't want to miss that but what byron may do is show off his drawing skills and uh, <laughs> i bet you could persuade byron 
to draw a picture of you at the BJJ Brick event. And I know a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people are coming just for that. Um, you know, Byron is really in demand for that. So, um, you know, if you want to get your picture drawn, you know, maybe throw a dollar Byron's away and, uh, you know, who knows what he'll come up with, but, uh, he comes up with some really good stuff. He's very talented, not a jujitsu, but a drawing. So, uh, uh, you know, that's a great reason to come to the vacation destination June 14th through 16th, Wichita, Kansas, at the one and only Fox Fitness. Yeah, I do enjoy, enjoy drawing like the character style drawings of Gary and Joe. And uh, <laughs> if, if you want that done, it will look nothing like you. And I put some effort <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah, it's $1 if you want a picture drawn of you by Byron. But it's five dollars if you want a picture of you and Gary drawn by Byron. Oh, oh, that's a deal. It's worth the investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guarantee, you, if you keep that, you know, for a long time, it might actually be worth something. No, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> the paper is printed, is drawn on. Guys, I want to yeah. give a, a quick mention about Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, that's a great way to do it. There's a link in the show notes. I'm gonna add a five inch. Uh, Gee Patch for BJJ Brick, and I'll send you a sticker as well. Our newest Patreon supporter is Brian. Uh, thanks, Brian, for signing up and supporting the podcast on Patreon, and it, it means a lot to us. So uh, check it out if you want to help keep this show going strong and uh, producing possibly uh, better content or or uh, different content is on the horizon. Uh, that's one way you can help us reach those goals. So uh, thank you guys for all the Patreon support, and thanks especially to our newest Patreon supporter, Brian. Yep. Byron, I'm glad you didn't forget uh, about our uh, Patreon supporters because I kind of brushed right over that and forgot to, to go to that. But, hey, I got a question for you guys. What do you do if you forget your belt at home? Put on suspenders. Good point. I'm talking <laughs> about your jujitsu belt. You go to practice and it's not there. Well, and I it's think... not a no-gi day. It's actually a key day. It's a key day. Well, at that point, you know... I think you have a couple options. Uh, one of my strongly favor. Uh, one you could just, well, I didn't bring my belt, and you, you probably didn't realize that you walked into the gym. Uh, you know, you, you say, hey, I got something to come up, and then you could leave. That's that's not a good option. No. <laughs> it, it it might be if your coach is kind of uh, maybe uptight about that or maybe, you know, pretty much as like like wants you to have that. You know, test the waters a little bit if you don't know. Typically, you could you could say, "Hey, coach, I forgot my belt. Have anything that could maybe get me out of this jam?" <laughs> and they could probably have like a loaner belt that you could borrow. It may not be the right belt. Probably a downgrade to a white belt if you're any sort of a colored belt. And because they seem to always have a few white belts laying around, that's one option. And it's not a bad thing to to get to train today, even if you have to wear the the belt that doesn't match your actual uh, skill level. Joe, what would you do? Well, it just varies from gym to gym. I actually have known of a gym that had like a, you know, a really bizarre off-colored belt that you had to wear if you forgot your belt. And uh, my kids were did taekwondo for a few years, and they got you know given a hard time if they forgot their belt. And uh, but other gyms, they really could almost care less, right? Like I said, there's always a loner belt there. The the two gyms that I go to, um, I think what I would do actually right now is I would wait till after class has started uh assuming that they're just barely on time like i always do realized i forgot my belt 
I wouldn't line up without my belt. But once class was started and the warmest went away, I would ask my coach if it was okay to join the gym. I'm pretty confident both of them would say yes, and that's how I would handle that. What about tucking tucking your gi into your gi <laughs> <key> pants? <laughs> Would that be an option? <laughs> yeah, okay, Gary. <laughs> yeah, it'd be uh, definitely a good day to have a rash guard if you're going to go beltless. <laughs> and you can expect to be tied up in knots by your own lapel by anybody wanting to play that sort of a game. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, I always wear a rash guard. Again. <laughs> I always wear a rash guard, and actually I don't forget my belt hardly ever, but I do forget a rash guard once in a while, and, and that's a dilemma for me. I, it's like I can't decide whether I want to go without a rash guard or whether I want to go home in a sweat-soaked T-shirt. Those are kind of my two options. As I, Well, I guess I have three. I could just go home shirtless. But, um, yeah, that, that's a dilemma for last me. Time, a, yeah, last time Joe went home shirtless, <laughs> there were women just chasing Joe's car the whole way. <laughs> so he can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah okay. That's what I recommended for Joe to, to do that. Uh, so I look at this question, and I look at think of the times I forgot my belt. It's because Once. I'm I wash it. <laughs> so <laughs> just today I, I wore a blue gi and I had my belt on and I got home. I threw them on the wash machine and I hit go. And right now they're hanging up and they're air drying. If I grab my white gi tomorrow, I need to remember to go down uh, stairs and get my belt and throw it in my back. If I forget that, it's just hanging up with my blue gi. Uh, this has happened several times. What I've done is I've actually purchased a second belt, the same rank that I am, and I keep it in my gym bag, and I just wear it for the occasions I forget my belt. So it's it's very hard for me to forget my belt twice in a row. I don't, I've never done that. But I've always had a backup black belt in my gym bag, and and, and it's it's a little bit different. It's a That particular belt is made out of like a... The gee material. Leather. It's made Leather. like <laughs> it's made. It, it looks different than my normal belt. And Jake, it's rare enough I forget it. But he's like, "Oh, you get your different belt on today," and uh, he kind of comments about it. Or you know, yeah, I forgot my other belt. And I don't have a stripe on that belt. And I have a like I haven't updated it yet. I guess, but it doesn't. I don't. Nobody seems to notice whether I have my stripe on or not. But you know that that's really an interesting uh, idea. I'd never heard anybody mention that before. Having a second belt. Certainly, there's no coach that would be upset if you had two belts and he gave you a stripe on your belt and you went home and put a matching stripe on your other belt. I mean, I, I just think now that you mentioned it, Byron, the idea of having two belts is a very good idea. Well, thank you. Byron Joe. comes up with a lot of good ideas. Man, he's brilliant, that guy. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't win the internet this week. No, but he's close second. I thought I was second. <laughs> oh, that was Gary in third. <laughs> but yeah, but I still meddled, guys. Yep, you, you did. I'm on the podium. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of Gary as the one who awards the award. Oh, yes. He's the best. Oh, yep. He's a bigger man for that. So so you're in second place, but you're still in last place, Byron, because Gary, Gary's got a higher position in this whole thing. <laughs> Well, maybe next week it'll all change. I do know next week we have Miles Lucas on the podcast. Uh, really uh, had a good time talking with him. He is a relatively new black belt who who had a really interesting Reddit post about how he never thought he would become a black belt. And then we also get in some other topics about starting jiu-jitsu and, and also a, a lot into about breathing and jiu-jitsu and, and proper breathing technique and how you can 
increase your uh, efficiency by breathing properly. And it's something that we really haven't talked about in 300 episodes. <laughs> very little anyway. So Which I think is very good. important. Gary thinks as he takes another breath, it's very important. <laughs> <sighs> so that'll be next week. And maybe that'll give uh, me an opportunity to beat Joe in the internet this that next week. But probably not. Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> me and Joe got to kind of make uh, a kind of a plan on how I could get it even working together to do that without Gary's knowledge. That would be a Not way a chance. Not a chance. I'll award it to Joe every week. <laughs> <laughs> this contest Gary's, is rigged. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's nice to the me. Mail, Gary. Yep. Joe's nice to me, Byron. Man, I'm, I feel like I'm playing four versus five here. Well, if you had a better attitude, it wouldn't be as bad. <laughs> just take... Just go back and listen to the start of the show, and everything will come out all right. Will it? Uh, maybe it'll make sense. Well, I've had a good time, and we look forward to catch you guys next week. Until then, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Thank you.